South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington working on this program very remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022. UK's special envoy for Sudan and South Sudan says any new roadmap for South Sudan should be clear with benchmarks. Any extension roadmap must be tied to It can't be opening see another opening extension. It must be detailed. And South Sudan's first vice president says some judges in his country have left the judiciary due to lack of attractive salaries. In this country we also have a unique situation. A good number of judges have left the judiciary. One reason could be low pay. The working conditions in the judiciary is not attractive. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The United Kingdom's special envoy to Sudan and South Sudan says any roadmap intended to extend the mandate of the South Sudan's transitional government of national unity should demonstrate more action. Robert Fairweather, who wrapped up a seven-day visit to South Sudan, says... While the UK government is willing to continue supporting South Sudan, it wants to see a time-bound and inclusive roadmap for VOA News. Wake Simon Wudu reports from Juba. Fairweather says the United Kingdom wants to see more commitments from the South Sudan government with a focus on achieving peace and prosperity should there be any extension of the transitional period. Fairweather says South Sudan's leaders need to demonstrate responsibility that they are governing the country. Any extension in roadmap must be tied about. It can't be open-ended. We can't see another open-ended extension. It must be detailed. Um, it should explain the specific actions that will be taken under each chapter of the agreement and in which order they'll be taken, what, what dates they'll be, what are the, 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 the dates that they're aiming for. Um, and in many ways what we're looking for is that critical pathway. Fairweather says the parties in the unity government need to redouble their efforts and take action to move the implementation of the revitalized peace deal forward. He says if the parties decide to draw a new roadmap, the entire process must be inclusive and all parties must be consulted. This, he says, will build the momentum for implementing the deal. If we were seeing momentum, if we were seeing money being put forward, if we were seeing actual implementation, if we were seeing no actions, not just words, uh, I think people would begin to think this might be credible, that it is inclusive, and they would begin to earn the trust of the people and of the international community. Fairweather met several political leaders during his seven-day visit to Juba, which began on July 28th. The special envoy says he told the South Sudan's leaders the UK wants to see more action that will bring more confidence in the implementation of the 2018 peace agreement. You're really looking at um, unblocking some of the you know, block legislation in Parliament. You're looking at the opening up of civic space. You know, there has been a shrinking of that. No, the, the, the release of political prisoners, you know, the, the, the ex-governor that's currently being detained, 
know, these are the confidence-building measures that, that can be taken and can be taken now. And I think uh, certainly the people of South Sudan would feel that there has been a change if you begin to see these things. South Sudan Information Minister Michael McQuay tells this program that meetings are ongoing to draw a roadmap that will extend the transitional period. He says the roadmap will be finalized within the week. However, this, uh, this, uh, this issue of the, of the, that the government is not doing that much at all for us, uh, of course, that is a personal opinion, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, this agreement is difficult to implement. Even if we give it to them and we say you implement it for us, they will say the same problem. Because the agreement, the way it is constructed, the way it is uh, done, uh, is not that uh, easy to implement. But we are continuing and we will implement. Johnny Baxter, the UK's ambassador to South Sudan, says his government will continue to support the government, but it wants to see more actions taken focused on restoring peace and stability in the country. We will continue because a critical backdrop to that is the security environment, is the peace in South Sudan. We will continue to work with all stakeholders in trying to make sure that uh, that peace is delivered and that whatever agreement there is to deliver that peace is delivered properly. The United Kingdom has been one of South Sudan's major donors over the years. The UK part of the Troika, which is composed of the UK, the United States and Norway, supported the peace process that culminated in the signing of the revitalized peace deal. Besides providing technical support over the past four years, the UK government has spent $174 million on health, $52 million on education, and $460 million on humanitarian aid, according to Ambassador Baxter. Some local media houses recently reported that President Salva Kiir and First Vice President Riyak Machar, principal signatories to the revitalized peace agreement, have agreed to extend the mandate of the transitional government by 24 months. However, there has been no official statement confirming that decision. Last month, President Kiir said plans were underway to work out a new roadmap aimed at smoothly ending the transitional period of the unity government, but he did not elaborate. For VON News, I'm working Simon Wudu in Juba. Some judges in South Sudan say poor working conditions, including low pay, force them to quit the bench and seek other work. The judges are calling for a complete overhaul of the judiciary sector. For VOA News, Sheila Pony reports from Juba. Yomon Santino Oluak was one of the pioneer judges who joined the bench in 2006 when the semi-autonomous government of southern Sudan was set up following the signing of the Comprehensive Peace Agreement in 2005. Santino says he loved his job as one of the South Sudan's pioneer judges at a time when the country had just emerged out of conflict. But Santino says in 2008, after a dozen years on the bench, he quit. 
to put it frankly, the issue to do with the, the work conditions was not con, was not con, conducive. Uh, for me, I have another alternative. I have another chances to work, like teaching. So I prefer to go and teach rather than working on the bench. Uh, frankly, I can say it was uh, it's what it was unfair. It cannot meet your meet your own needs. In 2017, President Sal Fakir fired at least 13 judges after the justice went on strike for months, demanding better working conditions. They also asked the government to fire Chief Justice Chan Rech Madut for ignoring their request to improve working conditions. Gary Raimondo, a former justice of the Court of Appeals, who was among those fired in 2017, says judges in South Sudan are paid the equivalent of $100 per month, an amount, he says, is insufficient in comprehension to what their peers earn in other East African countries. Have you seen how the judges of, of Kenya look like? Yes. Smart judges. These are the smart judges in, in the region. So we want to be like them because they are human beings like us. South Sudanese judges are also human beings. Why our brothers in Kenya and Uganda and others are enjoying better than us? We want to equalize us with them. Advocate Godfrey Victor Bula, Executive Director of the Justice and Human Rights Observatory, a group that provides free legal aid to those who cannot afford a lawyer, says judges who work to protect people's rights barely have their rights to a proper salary protected. He says judges are given no transportation, often have to rely on public transportation, which he says makes them vulnerable to criminal activity. The conditions are not favorable at all. You have, for instance, uh, one room, one hall, a room, a hall, you have two judges working in one hall, which is not actually favorable for them. You have also a situation where judges are moving with public transport, and yet such judges are the ones who convict and sentence people to death. And again, they are found mingling up in the public transport with the relative of the people they have convicted to death. Bula says the low pay of judges also affects their performance and could trigger corruption in the judiciary. He says judges might start accepting bribes to supplement their incomes. The rule of law will be paralyzed because no one will get justice at all. But I am still to say, still we have certain individual judges in South Sudan who still live to their to their oath of office and who still, despite this difficult situation, they still administer justice. Raimondo says support staff in the judicial sector also face poor working conditions. I'm talking with the support staff, See, starting from the cleaner, the guards. These are also members of the judiciary. Judiciary is not confined. To, these are judges also because they are cleaning for us. The clerks are also judges for me. And we need their salaries also to be increased because if you don't pay good for them, the litigants will suffer. 
first vice president, Riyak Machar, who leads the government's governance cluster, acknowledged last week during the review committee's inauguration that many judicial personnel are leaving their jobs for better pastures due to low pay. In this country, we also have a unique situation. A good number of judges have left the judiciary. One reason could be low pay. The working conditions in the judiciary is not attractive to many. Machar emphasized the need to adequately compensate judges in South Sudan to ensure that they continue to serve the public and dispense justice. For VOE News, I am Sheila Pony in Juba. Some residents of the Jongle State Capitol Bor say prison wardens at Bor Central Prison are illegally extorting money from relatives and friends of prisoners who visit the facility. One resident says prison officers collect between 500 to 1,000 South Sudanese pounds from each person visiting prisoners. The director for the Central Prison denies the allegations. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Bor. Bor town resident Deng Elijah Dao says he is disappointed that prison wardens at Bor Central Prison ask people to pay 500 to 2,000 South Sudanese pounds each time they visit an inmate. He says sometimes he is unable to see a friend or relative in prison because he cannot pay what prison officers are demanding. It is not a good idea by the prison uh, warden to charge uh, the visitors. People do used to go there and when they are demanded to pay, they may even go back without visiting their loved ones simply because they, they don't have such a money in their pocket. Uh, it could be the whole salary that if it is 1,500 or 2,000. Dow is urging state authorities to stop the illegal money extortion at Bor Central Prison. He says most local residents either do not have jobs or work for the government with meager salaries that are not paid on time. He says asking for money at the prison facilities is a denial of citizens' rights to visit a person in prison. I want uh, the state government at least to intervene, to talk to the directorate of prison in the state level, at least to stop them from collecting money from people who, who may visit their loved one in the prison. Bortown resident Bolding says prison warders argue they charge visitors a fee to raise money for their upkeep. Deng says although he sympathizes with the poor living conditions of prison wardens, it is not legal to charge visitors money to see their relatives and friends. You know, when visitors are coming to visit inmates, they charge them with 500, 1,000, sometimes more than that. It, it varies, you know. So this is the policy they've put in place. And uh, whoever comes, you know, you, you, have, you just have to pay. If you don't, you will not be, you're not allowed to, uh, you know, to, uh, to see the person you want to, to see. Brigadier General Paul Anuat, Director of Administration at the Board Central Prison, denies prison wardens fees from residents visiting their relatives. Anuat says prison wardens in Bor are professional and cannot illegally extort money from locals even if their living conditions are poor. I'm managing administration for all, for the headquarters and, and, and central prison. There is nothing being done without my notice. To assure you, it is totally a lie label against us. Visit our, our facility tomorrow 
go to the headquarters tomorrow to confirm whether it is true or not. It is totally a fault. For VOA News, I am Deng Guiding in Bor. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, breastfeeding mothers in Juba say institutions should encourage breastfeeding at workplaces. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. Question today. Name a spice you like to put on your food. I take garlic because of its scent. I think it makes the sauce to like taste more better with the garlic. Reiko. Yeah, reiko. Okay, reiko. It's an ingredient which you add into your sauce and it makes your sauce delicious and tasty. Pepe uh, is, is very interesting. African food is, is interesting. I'm not a good fan of spices. I believe in the cultural food uh, than putting spices in food. Onions, I like them so much because there's a way how they smell well. And when you add them in, when I add them in my food, actually the food smells nice. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Some lactating mothers working in the South Sudan's capital, Juba, say they find it difficult to breastfeed exclusively for six months as recommended by health professionals because their workplaces do not provide breastfeeding space. South Sudan commemorates World Breastfeeding Week, which runs August 1st to August 7th. Some mothers say after three months, they have to leave their babies at home and resume work. For VOA News, Viola Elias reports from Juba. Marlene Jore says it is very difficult to exclusively breastfeed for six months. Jore, who has a five-month-old baby, says there are no private spaces provided for breastfeeding mothers in the workplace. She says she often takes her baby to the office, which makes it hard for her to concentrate on work since breastfeeding mothers are not given any special consideration. There is no extra room. There is no extra room for mothers to go and breastfeed their babies peacefully or even rest a little. Secondly, at the workplace, they don't consider time for us breastfeeding mothers. Even if you are breastfeeding when it comes to meeting your deadlines, you are not breastfeeding your baby and when writing reports. So I think the three-month maternity leave is not enough. Jore alleges her male colleagues overload her with work after her three-month maternity leave is over. Emanuela Peter, a mother of a year-old girl, says she exclusively breastfed her baby but had to stop breastfeeding her because there is no conducive environment for breastfeeding mothers at her workplace. She says she understands the disadvantage of weaning her baby from breast milk, but she says she had no choice since her work did not allow her to travel with her baby. She says the biggest challenge some breastfeeding mothers face is breastfeeding their babies at work. I also want uh, the, the society to start looking at breastfeeding mothers as a normal thing. You know, it is how people look at you when you try to breastfeed in public. You get it. Mm. It is not just, uh, I, I, I refer to workplace as public place. 
when you want to breastfeed your baby at workplace, there's a way uh, colleagues look at you. It is not right for you to, to remove your breast in public and start breastfeeding like that. So what I will advocate for is just a conducive environment for breastfeeding mothers at workplace. The UN Children Agency, UNICEF, recommends exclusive breastfeeding of children until six months as one of the simplest, safest and healthiest means of feeding a baby and can help prevent malnutrition among children. Jemis Maiden, UNICEF's Chief of Communication in South Sudan, says his agency works with a coalition of nutrition partners to educate and support mothers to increase the practice of exclusive breastfeeding of infants up to six months of age. In South Sudan, UNICEF works closely with the Ministry of Health and many other partners to support more than 1,100 nutrition centres which provide therapeutic foods for the treatment of malnutrition as well as life-saving medicine to treat common childhood illnesses. UNICEF also supports 88 nutrition stabilisation centres which are inpatient facilities designed to treat severely wasted children. Those with medical complications provide medical care and provision of therapeutic food. Dr. Alice Juan, a pediatrician and child health officer at the National Health Ministry, says breast milk is more important to a baby's health compared to any other milk. She says breastfeeding for six months helps build children's immunity and prevent them from diseases. Dr. Juan urges women who prefer giving babies formula to switch to breastfeeding. She says formula should only be used when a woman cannot breastfeed. And the most important thing that look at your child if you're giving formula feeds and then they start getting overweight because of formula feeds. But if you compare him to a child who's only breastfeeding, he will not get that overweight of getting from the formula feeds. So it's just like a substitute for those who can't breastfeed. According to the Ministry of Health, most recent data, 86% of children in South Sudan are exclusively breastfed during the first six months of their life, compared to 45% in 2010. Dr. Victoria Anip is the Undersecretary in the National Health Ministry. She says her office is working with the Ministry of Labor to help mothers breastfeed for the first six months. The ministry is working with other stakeholders to make sure that there are laws to support women at workplace and that the Ministry of Labor is allowing women to breastfeed and have spaces for breastfeeding within, within their working, uh, working uh, environment. Because working environment in our setting is not allowing women to breastfeed. And it urges breastfeeding mothers who work to continue breastfeeding despite the challenges they face at the workplace. She is calling on institutions that employ new mothers to give them time and space to breastfeed their children in the workplace. This year's World's Breastfeeding Week theme is Step Up for Breastfeeding, Educate and Support. For VOA News, I am Viola Elias in Juba. Members of the Tanzanian ruling party are among politicians from six African countries who have recently attended the first session of a Chinese Communist Party training school. The school was built to strengthen Chinese outreach to African countries, but critics say the training undermines efforts to advance democracy in Africa by promoting Beijing's model of one-party rule. Charles Kombe reports from Dar es Salaam. 
The Molimu Julius Nyerere Leadership School was opened in February. Located in Kiba near Dar es Salaam, the school was built with 40 million US dollars from the Communist Party of China. It was co-funded by the ruling parties of Tanzania, South Africa, Mozambique, Angola, Namibia and Zimbabwe. School officials say the classes provide a platform for China to enhance exchanges and build party-to-party diplomacy. Marcelina Chijora is the principal at the Julius Nyerere Leadership School. Chijora says the relationship between China and the school is in funding for buildings and to run the school. But she says she sees another relationship as well. During the first training, she says the Chinese taught students what is happening in China. She asked that they were taught what China did to bring about changes. China has been hosting training classes and exchanges in Africa for decades, as far back as the 1950s. But over the past decade, the events have grown both in number and profile. Analyst Gulak Ningo says the new school advances the Chinese Communist Party's model for ruling a country and promotes the party's ideological allies. He says Tanzania is among the countries where liberation parties with socialist ideology continue to remain in power. This basically helps China and other countries that still believe in the one-party system. Song Ingo as China is ensuring that the leaders who come to the school continue to believe in socialist politics. Ningo says the training will present problems for activists who want to see their countries become or remain more democratic. Charles Kombe for Viewing News in Kibaha, Tanzania. President Joe Biden has confirmed that a U.S. drone strike in an upscale neighborhood of Kabul killed al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahari. VOA's Herman reports from Washington. In my direction, the United States successfully concluded an airstrike in Kabul, Afghanistan to kill the emir of al-Qaeda, Iman al-Zawiri. You know, Zawiri was uh, bin Laden's leader. He was with him all the, the whole time. He was his number two man, his deputy at the time the terrorist attacked 9-11. He was deeply involved in the planning of 9-11. One of the most responsible for the attacks that murdered 2,977 people on American soil. For decades, he was a mastermind behind attacks against Americans including the bombing of the USS Cole in 2000, which killed 17 American sailors and wounded dozens more. He played a key role in the bombing of U.S. embassies in Kenya and Tanzania, killing 224 and wounding over 4,500 others. He carved a trail of murder and violence against American citizens, American service members, American diplomats, and American interests. And since the United States delivered justice in bin Laden 11 years ago, Zawahiri has been a leader of al-Qaeda, the leader, from high He coordinated al-Qaeda's branches and all around the world, including setting priorities for providing operational guidance that called for and inspired attacks against U.S. targets. He made videos, including the recent weeks, calling for his followers to attack the United States and our allies. Now, justice has been delivered. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us 
what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in Focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one, two, zero, two, six, three, zero, eight, zero, one, one. That's all we prepared for you this Tuesday. We now leave you with Dynamic and the song, Dunia Day. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for being with us this evening. Remember to join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.